0: Turn with me to 1 John chapter 1. Joy is something that is universally sought after. There has never been one person who has ever existed that did not desire to have it. Everyone desires joy. People may have given up on trying to find it. People may have become so depressed that they don't think it exists anymore. But there has never been one person who didn't want it. Everybody wants joy. Of course at christmas time it becomes very apparent when all of our christmas songs whether they are christmas carols or just kind of lean toward christianity but you have joy to the world may your days be merry and bright god rest ye merry gentlemen we we have this language of Merriness and happiness and joy that comes with Christmas time because we all deep down have this desire for it. The question is, what is joy? What is the joy of Christmas? How do we get it and keep it? That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. We're going to once again read the first four verses of 1 John chapter 1. This is how John begins his. First letter, that which was from the beginning, and we clarified what the that which is. It's Jesus, Jesus, who was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it. And we testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen. And heard. We proclaim also to you. So that you, too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Christmas means joy. Christmas means joy. The, The joy that the Bible is talking about here is happiness. Now, I know you're thinking immediately, Wait, I've been told my whole life there's a difference between happiness and joy. Not biblical happiness and joy, there's not. Biblical happiness, divine happiness, and joy are not separated in the Bible. The Bible doesn't separate happiness and joy like we often think about it. Joy is happiness, it's just not a squishy giddiness that is fickle and easily runs away based on circumstances. Real biblical joy and happiness has a grittiness to it. It has a a strength to it that doesn't run away when circumstances get tough. You know, in the Beatitudes, when Jesus is saying, blessed is the man, blessed are those, blessed, 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 blessed. You could probably actually translate the word blessed, divinely happy are those. Divinely happy are those. Divinely happy are those. It's this joy, this happiness that is gritty and strong and tough. Jesus was perfectly full of joy. Perfectly full of divine happiness, but he wasn't always giddy. When we see this joy in context, in First John chapter one, we, we know this joy is relating to Christmas, because John has already kind of fleshed out for us a defense that Jesus is Christmas. He says Jesus really did come in the flesh, that Christmas is grounded in reality. We talked about that, Christmas being grounded in reality. The gospel in Jesus is not some kind of fairy tale. The gospel writers don't write it as if it's a fairy tale. They ground it in historical data. When John writes here, John is not saying Jesus is just some kind of mythical figure. He's not like the Gnostics say, who just kind of a, a ghostly spirited figure that floated around on top. No, he was tangible. He was real. I touched him. I saw him. I ate with him. I listened to him. I talked with him. I fished with him. He, he, he ate breakfast with us. This Jesus is real and grounded in history, and that is where the joy comes from. So Christmas is all about joy. In Luke chapter 2, verse 10, when the shepherds are out in the fields watching their sheep, and the angel of the Lord appears to them in the sky, the angel says this, I bring you good news of great what? Joy. Joy. Good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. And born to you in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Christmas is all about good news of great joy. And what's beautiful is the, that the Christmas is not just for one group of people. It wasn't just for the Jews. It was for the Gentiles as well. And are we not so thankful? It's not just for a certain group. It's for all those who want to enter into real joy. If if anyone desires to enter into real joy, Christmas is for you. If you want real joy, Christmas is for you. In fact, this joy is so spectacular that it takes angels to proclaim it. Think about that. When God wanted this joy, exclaimed for the very first time, he does it through angelic beings. So spectacular. Christmas means joy. It means divine happiness. Christmas also brings joy. You know, joy plays an important part in all of the writings of John. John wants people to have joy. So it's not just good enough enough for us to say that that Christmas means joy. It is also that Christmas brings joy. In John chapter 16 verse 22, the gospel of John, Jesus promises that his followers, followers will be given a joy that is unshakable. An unshakable joy. In John 17, 13, we are told that Christ's own joy will be given in full measure to his people. That the joy of Christ will be given in full measure to his people. So when someone is changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, when someone becomes a Christian, when someone is born again, they are given this unshakable, full measure of joy in Christ Jesus. By the way, the joy is the, is a, the second fruit of the Spirit. It is what the Spirit of God produces in Christians. Listen, it's not something that might be in a Christian. Joy is not something that Christians may have. It is something the Spirit produces in us. To be a Christian is to have joy. Christmas means joy and Christmas brings joy. It's not an option for a Christian to have joy. It is something that we simply have. And the kind of joy that we have is this unshakable joy. The reason, now I'm going to give you the reason why this joy is so strong and gritty and tough and real and and circumstances don't mess with it. Because it is based, it is undergirded, it it has its foundation in the love of God. The reason why our joy is so tough is because it is based on something that is unbreakable. The love of God. Romans 8, nothing can separate the elect of God from the love of God. In fact, that love's so tough, no one can even bring a charge against God's elect. That's a whole separate thing passage. God's love and care for his people is like that tree that is planted by the stream in Psalm chapter one. It doesn't even need rain. For it, see, it receives its nourishment from a subterranean reservoir that will always reinvigorate it no matter what the circumstance above ground is. Oh, it's not raining? We're not getting the nourishment from above ground like we need. That's okay. We get our nourishment from underground. And that nourishment, that care, is the love of God. In the third book of Lord of the Rings, if you don't know that I like Lord of the Rings, let me tell you now, I really like Lord of the Rings. Tolkien and Lewis are my favorite. And they were really good friends. In the third book of the Lord of the Rings, which is entitled what? Return of the King. There is this moment when the evil forces of Sauron, who is the antagonist of the entire trilogy, they look like they're going to win. They look like they're going to win. All the goblins and orcs and trolls and men who have rebelled, they look like they're going to win. It all looks so hopeless. And the wizard Gandalf is standing there and he's watching as this a numerous army is headed toward them. Looks like he's crushed under the weight of it all. Then suddenly he begins to laugh. A laugh that the hobbit Pippin describes as gay and merry. Tolkien reveals to us that despite all the care and sorrow of the world that he is experiencing, underneath it all there is, and I quote, a great joy, a fountain of mirth, enough to set a kingdom laughing were it to gush forth. How in the midst of a circumstance that looks unwinnable, does Gandalf start laughing with a fountain of joy? It's because he knows something that everybody else doesn't know. We have this fountain underneath the surface that no matter what's happening on the surface, never changes. The love of God. Our joy, the good news of great joy that we have, this fountain of the love of God that undergirds that joy, is demonstrated perfectly to us at Christmas. That the God of the universe would take on flesh and bone, that the God of the universe would become that crying baby in a manger that the God of the universe would be willing to die the worst death possible to demonstrate God's love for us. So when the circumstances look bleak, Christmas brings us joy. A gritty, powerful, tough joy. So Christmas means joy. Christmas brings joy. Christmas spreads joy. Look at our text once again in verse 4. Notice, John is saying that he's writing all of these things in verses, verse 1, 2, and 3 about Jesus being fully God and fully man, being eternal life. We have fellowship with each other because we have fellowship with God so that our joy may be complete. Now, here's what I think is weird. He doesn't say... I am writing these things so that your joy may be complete. He says, we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. That seems a little weird. And when you read things that are weird in the Bible, you should start asking questions. Why does this seem weird? What's happening? Why? why? It, It would make more sense. He's saying, I'm writing all these things to you so that you can have joy. Now, there's no doubt that he wants that. But he says, we're writing these things to you so that our joy may be complete. John is writing these things so that his spiritual children in the faith would walk as they should and believe as they should. Nothing would complete John's joy more than knowing That those that he had shared the gospel with believe it and stand upon it and reject any false teaching. It's like a parent who is full of joy knowing his children or her children walk in the truth. Making the best of their life. So here's what this tells us. This tells us that the sharing of the gospel is a part of the joy that comes in believing the gospel. Let me say that again. That the sharing of the gospel, the sharing of the good news of great joy is a part of The joy that comes in believing the gospel. So your joy will not be complete until you share the gospel. Until you speak the gospel. Have you ever noticed that the things you find joy in, you talk about. That is also a universal truth. Whatever you find joy in, you talk about it. That's why I talk about Lord of the Rings. (laughs) I find joy in it, and it's going to come out. It's why parents, why... More so grandparents talk about their grandkids. You may not talk about your kids very much. We talk a lot about your grandkids. You may be like, my stupid kids, but let me tell you about my ba- grandbabies. That, you didn't have to say that. Well, I know, but I said my stupid kids, and then you're like, that's true. Amen, amen. My stupid kids. C.S. Lewis says this, and he gets it from passages just like this. It is not simply that we find joy in it that we talk about it, but the joy is not completed until we talk about it. You see, we get joy out of talking about the things that we enjoy. Right? It's not just that I have joy, so I talk about it. I actually complete the joy by talking about it. So if the joy of Christmas is in us, if the the good news of great joy is in us, the completion of the experience of that joy is when we talk about it. That is why it is so troublesome when people who claim to be Christians, it's like prying something out of them just to get them to talk about Jesus. That's troubling because people who have the joy of Jesus in them want to talk about Jesus. And then that joy is complete and that's. What John is saying, he's like, listen, I got the joy of the gospel, but the completion of my joy is by me sharing the joy with you and you believing it as well. So here are the three three things I just listed. Christmas means joy. Christmas brings joy. Christmas spreads joy. But here's how I want to end our Christmas little mini-series that we've done. I wanted to end by discussing that everything we have talked about, life, fellowship, joy, they all come through ordinary means. The means of achieving life and fellowship and joy comes through ordinary means the claim that john makes in these verses is that he has touched the infinite that the infinite has become ordinary that's crazy that's incredible That John's human hands have touched God. That God became so ordinary by means of becoming a human that he has been heard, he has been seen, he has been touched. Immeasurable greatness, packed in a manger. Did I tell y'all? I don't. I don't ever remember when I say things or who I said it to. So I've already, already said this. Just you know, roll with it. I was on my way to one of Andy's games by myself, and it was out in Greenville. So I had 30, 40 minutes by myself. Game was at six. So by the time I got out to Greenville, it was dark. Um, and there wasn't as much city lights out there. So as, I, as I'm driving this country road, I'm looking up and I'm just seeing a sky full of stars. And this happens to us every once in a while where we just get overcome with wonder. And you wish you could bottle it up and just keep it and it just like feel that way all the time. But it it comes and it goes so quickly and you're like, oh, I want it back. Whatever that was, I just want it back. Just bottle it up and drink it. And for some reason. I got overcome with wonder. And, And this is what overcome me. Overcame me as I was thinking about all the mysteries of the universe. You you ever gone to, to YouTube or Google and just typed in how big is the universe? Did you know that there is a star that our sun fits into over three million times? And if you look at a depiction of what earth looks like compared to our sun, you could take the sun and just take a a pin and just barely touch the sun. That's the earth compared to the sun. Did you know there is a black hole? that that giant star that our sun fits into over three million times, did you know there is a black hole that that star fits into over a million times? Did you know the the furthest that we know of the universe, it would take you 14 billion light years to get there? Traveling at the speed of light... 186,000 miles per second. It would take you 14 billion years to get there. So I've got all this stuff rattling around in my brain. As I'm looking at stars, that the furthest one I'm looking at is like 10,000 light years away. Like that's nothing. So I've got all this stuff rattling around in my brain and I'm thinking about like how a star comes about and how it dies and how a black hole gets made and what a star actually is. It's just burning gas. It's not even solid. And then we're on a rock and this rock is traveling around the sun at like 60,000 miles. It's just mind boggling. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, man, the mystery of the universe. And then because it's Christmas time and everything is so relevant, I think, Was in that little baby. That little baby. Has the mysteries of the universe. Inside of him. That the the mysteries of the universe are held together by the word of his power. Like, Like what was said earlier. The cry of that baby. Holds together the universe. And I just got overcome with wonder. And it didn't last very long. It was like four or five seconds, y'all, where I'm just kind of like out of it. And I'm like, you know, I probably better pay attention to my driving right now. How ordinary the infinite became. The world doesn't comprehend this. The world doesn't comprehend a God like this. Isn't it ironic that at Christmas time, a holiday, a Christian holiday that, that most of the known world seems to embrace, yet its message is the most incomprehensible message to the world? Jesus didn't come with pa- pageantry in a palace, he came in a manger in Bethlehem. The first guests were not famous A listers of the world, they were outcast shepherds. At every point, Christmas defies the world's expectation for how celebrity should act and movement should get started. This world cannot comprehend a God like Jesus. They just can't. Christmas emphasizes to us the Ordinary, common, that the world rejects. But we must not reject it. We must not be put off by the ordinary. Because the ordinariness of the means of life and fellowship and joy, for in that ordinary, is hidden the extraordinary. The riches of the gospel are in the ordinary. That's what Christmas reminds us of. That the extraordinary was packaged in the ordinary to bring the riches of the gospel to us. And if you are here this morning, or you are watching us at home, or you are listening to this later or watching this later, and you say, man, my life doesn't have the joy that I want it to have. My, my life doesn't have the fellowship with God that I want it to have. My, joy, my, my, my life doesn't have the life that I want it to have. The remedy for that problem is the person of Jesus Christ. In him, you will find life and fellowship with God and joy. And apart from him, you will have none of it. Jesus said, come you who are thirsty and drink. Come, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to the source of an underground joy that can never be taken away by above ground circumstances. Come to Jesus. In church, our prayer as pastors is that at this time of year, you'll just be caught up in wonder. It'll just, it'll, just catch, it'll, just, it'll just catch you up. That happens as we think about the realities of what we've talked about over the last three weeks.